You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. I'm not much of a fan of musicals. Are you, Grant? Do you like musicals? Yeah, yeah, I love them. Do you really? Oh, sure. I love to get carried away by the songs. Okay. All right. Well, then you would love the musical I just saw. It's called Come From Away. And I have to say that even though I'm not a fan of musicals, Mm This has to be one of the best theatrical experiences I have had ever in my wow, life. Wow, that's saying something. You do. Yes. A, you see a fair amount of theater. I do see okay. a fair amount, and this is just right up there. And let me tell you why. It's called Come From Away, mm-hmm. and it just finished a run here at the La Jolla Playhouse. In the hours after the September 11th attacks, there were 38 planes carrying 7,000 passengers that were all diverted to Gander, Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of how they all converged on this tiny place that only has 500 hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. We're talking 7,000 people. Wow. And it's, it's just an extraordinary tale in every way about what happened over the next few days. And it really made me want to go of course, Mm -hmm. to Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I'm checking out all the language. The title, Come From Away. Well, that's interesting. something in there, right? Well, yes, that's interesting that you mention it. I mean, the language there is this really interesting, odd mix of English and Irish and French and Aboriginal languages. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you get these strange constructions like Come From Away, which you would think is a verb, but actually it's a noun. The whole thing, all three words? Yeah. Come from away is a visitor. It's someone who has come from away. Sometimes it's just abbreviated as CFA. Isn't that cool? CFA. I'm a come from away. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really working on the pronunciation of this place, Newfoundland. They say, think of understand and Newfoundland because they get... Gotcha. They're not happy. not Newfoundland. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We've gotten feedback about that before. So I'm trying really hard to get it right. Thanks for writing. (laughs) Grant, I just dies at you. You do? I know I'm handsome. (laughs) No, you are very, very (laughs) handsome. (laughs) But it means you're so funny if you say, I just dies at you. Oh, nice. That's great. Yeah. Oh, I I really like this one. If you do something remarkable, Mm -hmm. whether it's remarkably stupid or remarkably good, (laughs) Uh if you did something like that, Grant, I would say, Grant, who knit you? Who knit you? K-N-I-T, knit you. So what is the stuff of the earth that you've been knit from? Yes, exactly. Oh, what what are you made out of? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I, yes, yes, see? See, so I'm going to share oh. some more of those later in the show, but I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Newfoundland. Newfoundland. New- <laughs> oh, dear. Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Got Understand it. Newfoundland. Understand Newfoundland. I think and I've got that right. Let us know, people in Gander. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org and talk to us on Twitter at W-A-Y-W-O-R-D. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, uh, this is... Jordan Falk calling from Olympia, Washington. Hi, Jordan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jordan. How can we help you? Well, I had a question about school mascots. Uh, I've been thinking about how some schools come up with some funny mascots. Here in Olympia, we have uh, the Evergreen State College, and their mascot is the Gooey Duck. The Gooey Duck. kind of a giant clam. Yeah, Yeah, that's G-E-O-D-U-C-K, right? Gooey Duck. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of a local... uh, specialty around here. The fighting gooey ducks? That's right. That's right. Wow. <laughs> it doesn't really inspire fear, but no. uh, I I was really curious about where that word comes from, the word mascot, and also what kind of funny mascots other people have around from where they're from. Oh, that's a great question. That's a really good question. Can I tell you my favorite before we look at the etymology? 
It's the University of California at Santa Cruz banana slugs. Because these these long yellow slugs, about the color of a banana, about the size of a smallish banana that you find in the redwood forest here in California. My wife loves these. We have so many pictures of my (laughs) wife holding banana slugs. Mascot is a really interesting word, isn't it, Grant? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's got something of a murky um, etymology early on, but it seems to go back to a French word that has to do with a person or an animal or a thing that's a kind of talisman, something that brings good luck. Mm -hmm. It actually got popularized by a 19th century comic opera called La Mascotte. Uh, that was uh, a French opera that had to do with um, with some farmer who was cursed by bad luck, and so to bring him good fortune, his brother enlisted this country girl to be his mascot. That is his uh, his uh, lucky charm. But the the only catch was that she had to remain a virgin, and and you can imagine how that goes right. in in a comic opera. <laughs> but it's it's interesting to think about it in terms of of some kind of being that's with you to. To, uh, give you good luck. I'm also thinking about the Spanish word for pet, which is mascota. Ah, it's related to the same uh, mm-hmm. same idea of, of some kind of creature that, that sticks around with you, a companion animal. I saw in one of the dictionaries there was a suggestion that maybe it goes back to Latin words for mask. Right. It might be related to mask. So you might have mask and then uh, witches are involved yep. and spells Sorcery, are involved. Right. Yeah. So all along we're talking about magical magical... Right. I don't know. Magical elements. Right. More magical than you think of now with sports teams. Now it's more like a symbol of the team. And also to get the crowd riled up. Right. right? To do right. the stunts and the yeah. jokes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, by those gooey ducks or whatever. So do they have somebody who dresses up like a gooey duck and revs up the crowd? They, they do. They look They look kind of funny. They look like a guy wearing a giant sleeping bag. So. <laughs> I was going okay. to say, I bet those halftime shows are fun. What kind of stunts can a gooey duck do? <laughs> wow, well, I bet we will hear from lots of other folks like you. With crazy mascots. Yeah. That, oh, we want the mascot and the story, if you know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- thank you very much, Jordan, for your call. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. All right, take care now. All right. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Tell us your mascot stories. Maybe your high school, your college, maybe your elementary school. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. One great resource for words from Newfoundland is the Dictionary of Newfoundland English Ooh, nice. online. It's It's got a beautiful um, layout and typeface, and you can find all kinds of great stuff. Like, for example, the expression best kind. What's that Do you know mean? This? No, I don't know that one. It means wonderful, awesome. Instead of saying that's awesome, you would say that's best kind. Oh, nice. Or if I say, how are you today, Grant? You would say, oh, the best kind. Oh, that. so does it take the... Definite article all the time, the best kind? Not always, okay, no. interesting. Reminds me a little bit of the business jargon, best practices. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, just because it thought feels about unusual that. to have best in that way. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Again, it's a, sort of that uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. Like, it sounds like our English, but not quite. Oh, nice. It's like going to sleep for 30 years and waking up and realizing everything's changed around you. Sort of, yeah. yeah. Rip Van Martha. <laughs> 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello, um, my name is Dorothy. 
I live in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. It's a suburb of Milwaukee. Wauwatosa. Welcome to the show, Dorothy. How can we help you? Well, I was just calling because it amazes me. I go to Florida in the wintertime, and I had to have a new, what I say, roof put on my home in Florida. And I mentioned to one of the neighbors that I was having this roof installed. And he said, a what? (laughs) And I said, a roof put on my house. And I do have two little dogs. And then he laughed and he said, oh, I think you're with your dogs too much. You're starting to talk like them. I thought, what are you talking about? You know, and he said, it's not a roof. It's a roof. (laughs) And I said, well, I always said a roof. And they just laughed. They never heard of anything like that. And they were from uh, Massachusetts. And I was just wondering which was the proper pronunciation, or if it depends on where you live. Like in New Hampshire, they say we park the car, and everybody talks differently right here in the States. Yeah, we do, don't <laughs> we? got that right. <laughs> well, let me ask you a couple other questions. What do you say for R-O-O-T? Oh, uh, root. You don't say root? Uh, no. What do you say for R-O-O-M? The room. You don't say room? Yeah, that's true. And one woman, when I was in the pool in Florida, she said, well, of course it's roof. She's from New Hampshire. She said, O-O is ooh. And I said, well, then what would you call a sweater that somebody knit for you, a wool sweater? (laughs) It's wool. And then she shut up. Yeah, or hoof, or foot. I don't know. So you say roof? I'm yeah. going to put that in a book. Yeah, book, book, <laughs> hoof, foot. There are plenty of double O's in English that sound exactly like the way that you say roof. This is a classic American dialect split, but it's interesting. It's not very geographically pronounced. It is a little more common in the South Atlantic, the Gulf states, uh, New England. Um, but it's fairly sprinkled around the country, and a lot of the people who say roof do also say room, broom, uh, root, things like that. But it's uh-huh. not it's not completely consistent. And it all goes back to our language heritage in the United Kingdom, where many people also still say things like rough, but they are slowly adopting the roof pronunciation as well. I see. Well, yeah. So it is widespread. I mean, we're talking millions of people say roof. I mean, it's not like there's a handful of people. It is so pronounced, very well studied, the kind of thing that's going to come up in a sociolinguistics 101 class. That's how well-known it is. It's not like you and your dogs are wrong. (laughs) No, your dogs are right. (laughs) That's good. That's good. But, you know, before um, I was talking to you, I was thinking about that. And another word, and that I think that is all over the United States, that I would say 90% of people mispronounce, and that is realtor. Everybody oh, yeah. is mm-hmm. real Yeah, you want a vowel between the L and the T, don't you? Your tongue like almost demands a vowel there. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah. But anyway, the roof roof thing I Those, thought was... the, the folks in Florida and the lady from New Hampshire, eh, you know, it just maybe they need to get out more because it's very widespread. I'm surprised they didn't hear it. I think Dan Rather even had a couple of those pronunciations like that. Room. Really? He's yeah. from Texas, right? A big room. Huh. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you bringing this to our attention, Dorothy. Uh, Just go ahead and roof all you want. Roof, roof, roof. You're totally fine. All right? Okay. It's a great great American dialect feature. Don't worry about it. Okay. I will do that. Use it with pride. Take care now. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. 
You know, there's a town in West Virginia called Poca, P-O-C-A. It's uh, short for an Indian word, Poca, uh-huh. P-O-C-A. You know what the uh, mascot there is? The Hauntus? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, the dots. Oh, the, the polka dots. dots. I was going to say the eyes. <laughs> Pocus in the eyes? I don't know. Oh, that's <laughs> I don't know. The dots. That's fun. How long until you get tired of that pun when you live in that town, though? <laughs> How long does it Probably take? Probably not <laughs> A long. week? Maybe a day? <laughs> Share your mascots with us. We like the funny ones. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Your questions, our answers. It's all about learning how to listen to language. Stay with us. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. And on the line is our quiz guy, John Chinesky. Hello, John. It's me. Hi, Grant. Hi, Martha. My wife and I occasionally like to have uh, parties, and we have party games. And one party game I'm sure you're familiar with, a board game, is Taboo. Oh, you know it's that a one, super right? party game. How does that work? Well, you have to describe something to your teammates, but you're not allowed to use certain words, five words as a matter of fact. Uh, for example, if I was trying to get you to guess the word snowman, I would not be able to use the words winter or build. Oh, and of course, you can't use snow or man and mm-hmm. other words. Now, we're going to try reverse Taboo. That's where I'll give you a list of words and you tell me the term that those words are taboo for. Ooh. For example, uh, signed, huge, first, signature, declaration of independence. John would be Hancock. Taboo for John Hancock. Yes, okay. very good. Got it. Now, of course, uh, the sooner you get the term, the more impressed I will be. Oh. Uh, if, if you're playing for points at home, let's say 10 in the first word, 8 for the second, 6 for the third, 4 for the fourth, oh. 2 for the last. But we're not keeping oh, score. But what do points you can, mean? Prizes! Points mean prizes. (laughs) We're not keeping score, but you can play it as a game this way at home. Please do. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Here's the first one. Cold. Eating. Popsicles. No. Snow cone. (laughs) Let's go one guess for each of you. Just to to streamline streamline it. No. Cold. Eating. Fast. Headache. Ice cream. Brain freeze. Ice cream is the last one. Brain freeze is correct. Nice. There's one for Martha. She All found right. the weakness in your plan, which is you didn't put a limit on the number of guesses. That's true, <laughs> yeah. That's why we do playtesting. Okay. I'm gotcha. trying to playtest. Right. Here's the next. Credit card. Money. Pocket. Purse. Hold. Handbook. Wallet. Wallet is correct. Another one for Martha. Very good. Next one is... Awake, bed, conscious. Insomnia? Night, stroll. Sleepwalking. Sleepwalk is correct. Nice. Brook. Violin concerto. Violin concerto is not (laughs) right. Brook. Chatter. Tower. Babble. Babel is right. Very Look at good. you. This is your game. Tower? This is, she's, it's in her wheelhouse. <laughs> just throwing words out. I'm just Nonsense like goofing. I'm just like clowning around over here, and Martha's <laughs> like, Martha's like serious. She's like, I'm, I'm going to get this. I'm Hermione doing it. Hermione is at it again. <laughs> Eye of the Tiger. She's in there. All right. Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> Car. Clock. Burglar. 
Siren. Alarm. Alarm. Alarm is right. Didn't even need fire. Very good. I'll give it to both of you. Imaginary. Great. Four. F-O-U-R. Unreal. Amazing. The Beatles. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was thinking Beatles or Mount Rushmore. Um, imaginary friend? No. Imaginary. Fantastic. Yes, ah, fantastic, good. Grant. Good one. Let's try eggs, breakfast, eat, pig, sausage. Bacon. Bacon's right, yes. You guys are fantastic. You have to come over to my house no, for a party. No, Martha, you for... aced this one. I got like <laughs> one, and John tried to buck me up with some false praise, but okay. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I love really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. John. I'll see you next week. Take, Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And if you'd like to talk with us about any aspect of language whatsoever, call us, 877-929-9673, or send your questions and observations to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Nan Sturman. Nan Sturman. Hi, Nan. How you doing? I'm doing well. I have a plant question for you. Well, I bet you, you do. I bet you do. Nan Sturman, you do a television show. Uh-huh, I do. It's called A Growing Passion, and we explore the growing world of plants, and uh, it airs on public television. Yeah, you're in Southern California like we are, right? Yes, I absolutely am. And, you know, I, I deal with plants all the time, and I write about plants, and I design gardens and things like that. And there's this thing that's bugging me, and I wanted to ask you about it. The term plant is a noun and also a verb. So especially when I'm writing, I find myself writing, plant your plant. Plant the plant, the plant, plant, the plant. Uh, you know, and uh, it, it gets to the point where I feel like, aren't there other words I can use? <laughs> Do you want another word for the verb or the noun? Or both. Yes. <laughs> because, I mean, I can say, install the plant, but that mm. sounds kind of clinical and mechanical. It does. sounds like it, using right? screwdrivers. It sounds like you're building a, an auto plant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, or I can say, plant the biota or the flora, and that sounds super. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds like, mm. you yeah, know, being no. pretentious, right? Mm. Yeah, so help me. I want to make things more oh, interesting boy. for my readers and my listeners. What other me, languages please. do you speak, Nan? <laughs> <laughs> Not ones that will help this. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, boy. Mm, oh, boy. Plant. Well, you know, we talked a million years ago on this show, because we have been on for a million years. <laughs> That's right. We talked about rehoming plants. I wonder if you can just, when you put them in a new pot, I wonder if you can just talk about homing plants. Does that sound weird or like you're talking about pigeons, like they're flying back from the coop with messages on their ankles? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Grant, I think my editors would redline that in about one millisecond. Oh, oh I see. We have gatekeepers. to. It's not yeah. just your final word. We have, like, picky people to get past. Well, so, sometimes I, I mean, often I am, but sometimes I have editors to work with, too. But even so, I mean, I'm thinking about who's reading, you know, my audience. Sure. Who's sure, reading this or who's hearing this. Home your plant. What? All right. I have a couple mm. suggestions. I mean, obviously you can't get away with using plants at least a little bit of the time, right? But you can do things, I I hesitate to say this, but you can do like George W. Bush did, which is Mm. everything's got a nickname, right? So you can say, put that beauty in the ground and watch, you know, you could say, "Put the, look at this bad boy. Isn't that the most amazing thing? Stick it needs that to little go, bugger in yeah, the hummus. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> this little gem is going to flower like crazy if you do the following things to it. I have to say, I never thought of 
it that way, and mm. that's really good idea. Is it? Is it really? <laughs> oh, well, don't sound I mean, surprised. Some, in some situations, I could, I, I certainly could imagine doing that. In some situations, what I'm really looking to is vary the language I'm using. Yeah. So if if I yeah. have some some option to vary the language. That's one way to think about it. Yeah. Well, of, co- of course, you have to figure out who your audience is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, obviously, that's a more lighthearted yeah, tone, really medium. kind of informal. Yeah. The, another thing is, <laughs> yes. and I've heard, you know, um, I spent a lot of time in beautiful Balboa Park here in San Diego, and some of the plant experts mm-hmm. there will just fall back on the Latin forms of the plant mm-hmm. name that are easier to say. And that's kind of nice. And I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, mm. but that's kind of nice. So instead of using the common name, they'll just toss out a little bit of Latin, which also sounds a little elevated, but sometimes is beautiful in its own way. So I don't know if you do I that. I always use the Latin. Oh, you I always, always do? use the Latin. Okay. Good for I you. Always have, I always have to. Oh, yeah, because if you use the common names, well, there's 50,000 different plants called daisy. That's right. true. Yeah. Right. And right. So, right. Right. So yep. right. to be precise, I always use the Latin right. names. So, yeah, so I could say, you know, plant your salvia or mm-hmm. install your leptospermum. I don't know. That sounds yeah, a little Yeah, the salvia is nice to say. The other one, not so sure about. Well, yeah, there are other, there are other words. for the, the verb is harder. Like we've kind of given you something that, for the noun that might be workable. But the verb is difficult because you are seeding sometimes. Sometimes you're... You're nestling. Yeah, you're inserting. It starts to sound like softcore porn at some point, right? (laughs) Depends on the Latin name. (laughs) Right. Yeah, there we go. I never thought about that. That would be a problem for garden writers, right? When I was young, Mm -hmm. which is not that long ago, my grandmother gave me a book of gardening stuff from the 1930s, and the whole book was written in this interesting language where you didn't plant anything. Everything was introduced. Oh. You were introducing the plants to the soil. And in my child brain, I was like nine, I was imagining like a formal meeting with plants in top hats where they're like shaking hands in front of a committee. You know what? I'm betting we're going to get suggestions from listeners as well. We can crowdsource this thing. Yeah, we can. What would you use instead of the noun plant or the verb plant Give us a call, 877-929-9673, or send your ideas an email to words at waywardradio.org, or tell us about it on Twitter at W-A-Y-W-O-R-D. Nan, we will share our results with you. Surely something will come of it. I just warn you, though, usually it's puns. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. That's great. Thank you guys All so right. much. Take care. All Good right. to talk to you, Take Nan. Take care. Good luck with the show. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If I'm in Newfoundland and I want to wish you good luck, I might say fair weather to you and snow to your heels. Snow to my heels. Oh, get the snow behind you. You know, I was thinking that, and then I was thinking, I wonder if it means snow just up to your heels. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's better, because snow is inevitable, so if you're going to have it, might as well not have a lot. But I kind of like it, snow Mm. maybe behind you. I don't know. the wind to your back. Maybe someone will call and tell us. Oh, now we have to go there. Yay! (laughs) 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org and join our very active Facebook group. Hi, you have a way with words. Hi there, Martha. This is Kyle from San Diego. Hey, Kyle. Welcome to the show. What's up, Kyle? How can we help? So I have an old saying that my mom would say to my brother and I growing up 
that uh, say we were instructed to clean our rooms and instead we kind of just scooted everything off into the closet, um, she would say that that was uh, Finnegan McGee's corner. Finnegan McGee's corner? Hmm. Yeah, and asking her about it, um, the first time that she had heard it was her mom on her Irish ancestry side, of course, talking about her great aunt and that she had this very well-put-together house, but if you open this certain room, it would just be all of her knickknacks kind of piled up, and mm-hmm. it would be uh, Finnegan McGee's room. So uh, my brother and I were just uh, mentioning that to each other the other day, and we're realizing we really had no idea where that came from. That's interesting. Are you sure it was Finnegan? Yeah, Finnegan McGee. Okay. Mm. Is there a similar one that you know? Well, of? as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, there is. Do you ever listen to a lot of old time radio? Uh, uh, no, I guess uh, not. There was a classic show. I mean, it was the number one show in the country for a while, on the air from 1935 to 1959, starring Jim and Marion Jordan, and it was called Fibber McGee and Molly. And Fibber and his wife, Molly, had, it was basically a sitcom setup, family setup, and Fibber was a kind of a rascal, and she was the long-suffering wife. And anyway, one of the things that he always claimed that he was going to do was finally clean out that closet. And so at various times, every few episodes or so, he would go to a closet and open it up, and then the sound effects guys would have a really good time (laughs) for like 90 seconds where it was a... Everything in the world sounded like it was falling out of that closet. Bowling balls and jingle bells and, <laughs> and bricks and books and flags and wow, anything that could great. make the slightest noise or the biggest noise. And it was a running gag, and they used to get amazing laughs from it. But it's Fibber McGee's closet is the original expression. And you, for a long time, and it's faded now because old-time radio isn't what it was, but for a long time you could find Fibber McGee's closet or McGee's closet or Fibber's closet mentioned in newspapers and books and songs and in other movies, other radio shows as a really messed up, dirty, crowded thing that needed a lot of TLC. Ah, interesting. So I probably just got to uh, change the pin again over the course of my family history. Yeah, probably. Sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. I've known people that have wow. Fibber McGee drawers, too. That's yep. just where you put everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. certainly have a few of those around. <laughs> That's neat. I, I had no idea that it would be coming from uh, your world, right? So mystery wow. solved. Yeah, well, little did I know I'd be getting some uh, radio history here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a, a pretty good I bet. used to be a big old-time radio buff. I still listen now and again, but uh, that's Do you a, have a Fibber McGee corner or closet oh, or well, drawer? Oh, at least one. And countertops and <laughs> uh-huh. bookshelves. and <laughs> Litter box. And... <laughs> well, not the litter yeah, box. Yeah, don't we all. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for your call. Yeah, thank you so much, Grandmaster. Take okay, care, Kyle. Bye. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. 877-929-9673 is the number for you to call with your question about language or send us an email. That address is words at waywardradio.org. Here are a couple more high school mascots that I really like. One is from Hoopston, Illinois. That's the Hoopston Area Corn Jerkers. Um, okay. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> that has to do with... When you're husking? 
Yeah, yeah, back Checking. in the old days. Uh, I think that's the sweet corn capital of the world, Ooh, actually. I, I know, corn. right? Let's go. Road that's one trip, thing I right? miss from Missouri is just <laughs> sweet corn plucked yeah. right out of the field. Oh. Right, right. You would be a corn jerker in that case. Totally. Uh, there's another one from Avon, Connecticut, the Avon Old Farm Winged Beavers. Winged Beavers? Yes. What does the mascot look yes. like? Um, I'm going to envision in my mind some beautiful creature with, like, glowing eyes. and uh, Okay. Yeah. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Hello. Welcome to Away With Words. Hello. Hi. Who is this? This is Melissa Powell. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the show. Hey, Melissa. Hey, Martha. Hey, Grant. Hey, where are you calling from? Shreveport, Louisiana. All right. All right. Welcome to the show. Sounds like you're on the tail end of a cold or something. Well, I've got a little bit of a hoarse throat. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I am, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... You probably know that there's been a lot of rain in in uh, Louisiana and Texas. Yeah, I was watching uh, rain fall down one day, and it was just like a waterfall going down the steps. And I thought about the word cataract, and I said, "Wonder why it means waterfall and also an eye problem." So, of course, what did I do? I went and looked it up in the dictionary, mm-hmm. and it gave both definitions, but. It didn't tell me why. It's the same word, you know. It's uh, I think it comes from a Greek word that means waterfall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It it is kind of confusing, but there is an answer for that. Um, right, cool. It goes back to the Latin word cataracta, which comes from older Greek words that mean a waterfall and uh, the idea of water rushing down. But the interesting thing is that in antiquity, the word cataracta also referred to one of those iron and timber heavy gates that are hung outside of a city to protect against invading hordes. The portcullis. Yeah, yeah, it's called a portcullis. Kind of thing that they drop so the the enemy can't come in, right? Yeah, exactly. But you can still shoot arrows through. Yeah, you you see that, for example, um, in the main entrance to the ancient city of Pompeii. Mm. There's there's the portcullis, the, the big iron and timber door that drops down, and what you could do was um, let the enemy come in to the main gate of the city, and then the portcullis drops behind them, and then you've got them trapped. Oh, pour the boiling oil on them and so forth. Yeah, well, the oil was expensive. They didn't actually. That's, oh, that's, oh yeah, I see. Yeah, but uh, arrows, know, arrows, arrows, hot sand, hot sand, that kind of thing. But but anyway, the whole idea comes from the notion of something falling with great force and crashing like a cataract being a waterfall. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? But yeah. So for your eye. Yeah. It's a barrier coming ah, down over your I lens, see. So right? that's what a cataract is. It's a yeah. it's a filmy, translucent, or even opaque yeah. growth in o- your eye. Yeah, that yeah, your it just vision. comes down and blocks, mm. just just like those ancient gates blocking the enemy. So the figurative usage made it split off, and so now even in English we have these two meanings still. Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah, that's pretty good. Now I I also have another question about cataract. When did it start? being used for the eye problem, you know? Mm, that's a good question. Well, um, at least the 1500s. Okay. Yeah. That sounds about um, right. And you'll find, you know, there's always that long history of Greek and Latin being used in medicine and science, so I'm not surprised True. to find it. There are a lot of Greek words that use that prefix kata, meaning down. So like a catastrophe is literally a downturn. A cataclysm originally in English meant a flood. It meant it meant inundating with water, so stuff coming down. Mm-hmm. 
Sort sort of like oh. what you're experiencing in Louisiana, it sounds like. <laughs> well, I hope things improve there, yeah. and I hope we help. Oh, thank you. Take care now, Melissa. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. This is the show about words and language and how we use them. I know that you spend your days thinking about the way that language is so insidious. It's a, words pop up, and you're like, why do we say that? This is the place to find out. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Talk to us on Twitter at wayward, and find us on Facebook. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. We heard from John Dunn of Vista, California. He spent many years working as an analytical chemist for a major pharmaceutical corporation. And during the course of his career, he has heard so much corporate jargon that uh, he was maybe in need of pharmaceuticals himself. It was really really getting to him. And so he wrote up his own version of Minutes of a Meeting. And it's sort of this wonderful linguistic creed occur. And oh I just wanted to share it with you. Oh, boy. This is one of the things where they pile on all this jargon all together in one. Yeah, yeah. And this one is just particularly choice, I think. So right. here are his minutes from one of those meetings. It is what it is. So let's all reach out and circle the wagons to realign no-nonsense core strategic management perspective in order to take ownership and close the loop to see the bottom line and to afford us rationale at any rate merely as a preference of choice, so to speak. Consequently, and at this particular point in time, if you will, to touch base at the end of the day, moving forward to think green and outside of the box, needless to say, as it were. You're killing me. With Stop. regard, wait, there's more. With regard to culture in and of itself, Being having a proactive stance, additionally in capturing the cost benefit quality value added by our new paradigm, so called in retrospect to optimize win win priorities and take us to the next My level while facilitating down. fiscal responsibility and scaling cross functional teaming to bring Ugh. awareness and spell this out in context per se. In conclusion, are there any questions? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the linguist in me says there's a place and time for all of that jargon. I'm sure it does a job. But the human the in me says... circle of hell. Yeah, you, you've stripped me bare and rubbed salt in the wound right? and then made me walk for the remedy. <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> it's so terrible that it's good. I mean, yeah, no, and maybe it does not. <laughs> make sense if you have a lexicon, you know, that you can sit there and translate. I mean, grammatically, no. yeah, yeah. it all makes Barely. sense. But it, I, I just I just love the way that oh, this boy. is like a last ditch creed occur. You know? I think just I have an antidote to it. Make them stop. Have you ever seen the video of Robert Benchley doing the treasurer's report? Robert Benchley, the writer for The New Yorker, Mm -hmm. funny, funny guy, part of like this smart set in the 1930s in New York, used to do this skit that was finally recorded on video uh, where he'd pretend to be the fill-in speaker for one of these academic organizations or a society of some Mm -hmm. kind. And he does a lot of this, like not really understanding what's going on. And eventually it kind of comes out that funds have been absconded with it. It's dry, dry, dry. (laughs) It's a lot like this in terms of like the, the tone and the content, but maybe it's the correct antidote to this. Oh, that's pretty funny. It's it's the unicorn chaser to this poison that you put on the air. (laughs) It is, it is poison. And since you mentioned that, I will say that I have tried to purge the phrase circle the wagons from from my language ever since learning from some Native American folks that they find that offensive. Oh, do they? Yeah. I didn't know that. How there about we go. that, I'll right? I'll do that too. Yeah. 
877-929-9673. If you've got business jargon to share, yeah, maybe just keep it to yourself. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Christina from Oakland. Hi, Christina. Oakland, California? Hi, Grant. Hi, Martha. Yeah, Oakland, California. Of course. Uh, Of course. course, The one and only O-Town. Welcome (laughs) to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, I get a lot of my news by listening to the BBC, and I recently heard one of the newscasters saying that some politician or other was biting the bit for, you know, whatever upcoming campaign or something. And I'm familiar with the expression chomping at the bit mm-hmm. uh, to mean like, oh, anxiety or anxiousness or like really like gunning to go, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to ride horses and like when your horse is just like nibbling the bit, it's, it can be a good thing. But if they get really obsessive about it, it can be a very like bad thing and it can be a sign of anxiety. Uh, and so I get where the phrase comes from and I've just like never heard it other than chomping at the bit. Oh, okay. And did it sound like from the show that you were listening to that the biting of the bit had the same meaning, or was there something else happening there? It did seem to have the same meaning. Biting hmm. at the bit. Um, there's a larger variation that I entirely missed it. So if a horse takes the bit in its mouth, and, and is there an element of it being willful, of it doing its own thing, um, taking control from the rider? Uh, I've had horses stick their tongues under the bit, and that them taking control from the rider, but more I think like you put the bit in their mouth, you put it on with the bridle, and that's great, and that's what you're supposed to do. And then sometimes the horse will um, chew the bit, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're sort of like mm, slowly nibbling on it, like that's fine, and that almost sometimes indicates relaxation. But if they start like like really chomping at it and start really like gnashing their teeth, that's a sign of anxiety, and that's like obviously you're not going to get. Uh, the training results that you want of horses really worked out and anxious. Okay. My sense of biting at the bit is that they're doing something willfully and they're trying to wrest control from the rider. I don't know if that's the oh. context that you heard there. Okay. I mean, that could easily be. The, the context was political, so I might have just, like, heard biting the bit, interpreted it as chomping at the bit, and just, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, misunderstood the story. Experience. Christina, I don't know if we've helped you or not. You sound like more of an expert on horses. Oh, I don't know. I... So, but you're saying that there's a difference between biting the bit and chomping at the bit. I had no well, idea. Well, it um, sounds like there's a couple things happening here. One possible interpretation is it means that they're raring to go, just mm-hmm. can't wait to get out yep. and, 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 you know, hit the track and go full speed. And the other one is that they are uh, out of control, that they um, have taken control away from the rider. I don't have the, uh, the show on my phone anymore. I'd go back and listen to it and try to figure out the context, but... Huh. I'll well, in the future. Yeah, keep an ear out and let us know if you hear it again. Thanks, Christina. All right. Thank you so bye, much. Bye. I had a great time. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, bye. Christina. Okay. Bye-bye. 877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is John Bindell from Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, John. Hi, John. How you doing? Real good. How are you? Excellent. Doing Thank you. well. What's happening in Circle City? Well, I had a question. I had um, recently read something, and it just brought back to mind memory of a client of mine years ago when I was working as a designer, interior designer in Cincinnati, Ohio. And at that time, the client made a comment. I was more or less the purchasing agent for her. Uh, she had her own ideas about design, and she would tell me what she was after. And I, after working with her for so long, I got a sense of what she liked, what she didn't like, and I would show her things. And she made, if there was something that 
she hadn't even quite considered, her response would be, oh, I don't not like that. And to me, it was a double negative. Hmm. And then recently, I was reading an email that I got from a, um, had an attachment story to it from when I was still in Cincinnati and I um, was on a preservation, on a board of directors with the Preservation Association. And they were doing a story about their home tour. And in the linked article in print, uh, the homeowner was responding to one of the spaces that they had redone in this house that they renovated. And her comment was, you can't not like being out here. And again, it was the double negative, and that's when it just brought it all back to me. And I thought, what is it? I've been other places, lived other places. I'm not that far from there, but I had never heard, never heard it used like that. Interesting. From people mm-hmm. that I thought might know better, or maybe it is a regional thing. It's not regional, just to get that out of the way. There's nothing regional. It's a construction in English where you want to express a positive through understatement, like totes is the term mm-hmm. for it. And so the double negatives here actually are kind of expressing a positive. It's interesting, when you said the words of your client, you didn't really emphasize the not, which I would do. I don't Mm -hmm. not like that. It would be the way that I would say it. Yeah, I was curious what exactly she meant. Well, that was it. And again, it was after having that working relationship with her that I came to realize that she probably was not considering that absolutely, but what I showed her was a different alternative, and Mm -hmm. it probably gave her a different direction to go in, something Mm. that she was not even considering, but all of a sudden, and was always prefaced with, oh, sort of a a surprise response, Mm -hmm. and that she was probably even surprised of it herself, and then that was how she verbalized it. I don't not like that. So it's expressing Mm. a kind of a, uh, just a little bit more positive than neutral affirmation of what you've done without going overboard. She's not saying, I love it. She's just saying... exactly. She's just saying, okay, uh, my first response isn't negative. Yeah, that sounds different from the second one. Yeah, the second one is different. You can't not like this place. Yeah, it's impossible for you to dislike it. Yeah, the can't is interesting there. But it's still those two negatives in a row. And so in most cases in English, when we have double negatives, uh, the double negatives actually aren't a positive. They don't express. They're just more negative. Correct. And this is one of the few places in English where you do see... Um, two negatives in a row expressing something that's a little more positive than mm-hmm, negative. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't, I don't feel like this is hugely positive. No, no, I don't either. But the word you want, if you want to Google this, is litotes, L I T O T E S. That's a rhetorical device where you express um, something through understatement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people say litotes, some light-o-tees. people say litotes. There we go. Okay, I'll look into that. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you very much. Take care. All Bye-bye. right, take care. Bye now. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Another really interesting usage, Grant, that I think you'll like from Newfoundland English is the use of the word wonderful as an intensifier. So if you're really ill, I might say, Grant, you have a wonderful temperature. Oh, okay. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah. But so yeah. it just means a lot of or more of it, not necessarily positive. Right, right. Not necessarily. Like you might suffer a wonderful loss. That's significant. Yeah. Yeah, so it's sort of like awesome Ooh. in the old sense, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, Wonderful. You know? Inspiring cool. awe or inspiring wonder, it but, is but it's just, just something remarkable. So something unusual wonderful. that I have wonder about it. Yeah. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Because we mm. always think of wonderful 
in our use of English mm-hmm. as something very positive, mm-hmm. but not necessarily. True. That's a good one. 877-929-9673 is the number to call to talk about any kind of language. Hello, you have a way with words. Yes, hi. This is Michael calling from Dallas, Texas. Hi, hi Michael. Welcome to the program. Hey, Michael. Yeah, hi, Martha. Hi, Grant. So I wanted to um, see if you could help me gain some insight into a little jingle from my childhood that that came up recently. Um, The whole reason this came up is because it's springtime down here, and my wife and I were out for a walk with our son, and among other things, the dandelions are blooming. So um, we thought it'd be fun to teach our son this little jingle uh, that we both knew, which is you pick up the dandelion and hold it by the stem with your thumb under the head of the flower, kind of like you're going to flip a coin. Mm-hmm. As you sing this little jingle, you flick the head of the dandelion off. And so the jingle goes, Mama had a baby and its head popped off. And then as you finish the jingle, you pop the dandelion off. And uh, Of course, my son thought it was fun, as I remember thinking it was when I was a kid. And, and um, later that day, we went over to a neighbor's house, and my son wanted to teach his friend this jingle, and he did the little jingle and flicked the head of the dandelion. And I noticed the parents of uh, the friend looked at him with, um, you know, a little bit of concern and, you know, possibly even horror, because I guess it is kind of a, a dark little jingle. But it occurred to me at that point that they must not have ever heard this when they were kids. Uh-huh. Um, everyone we knew growing up knew it. And so we started thinking about this, and we're both from New England, my wife from Boston, and I'm from southern New Hampshire. And now we're down in Texas, and we've since asked, anyone who we think to ask down who's from Texas, and no one's ever heard of it. So maybe we could get to the bottom of this. Yeah, it would be jarring to hear it for the very first time. It reminds me of that lullaby, Rockabye Baby in the Treetop, you know, about the yeah. about the bough breaking and the cradle falling. I mean, there's some pretty dark things mm-hmm. that... Um, yeah, or ring, ring Around the Rosie, I suppose, is rather dark, too. Yeah, that, it's a myth that that's connected to the plague, though. It's not actually. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, because a lot of people who I've asked about this um, dandelion uh, jingle, they you know they say, oh, it sounds very dark, like yeah. like uh, the ring around the rosy. It's fairly widespread. Mm-hmm. A number of years ago, there was a conversation on the website Metafilter, which is a great community of folks, and they talked about this, and some people chimed in to say that there was a variant in Scotland, for example, in the 1970s, where it was something along the line of um, Mary, Queen of Scots, got her head chopped mm-hmm. off. That's the version ah. they used. Mm-hmm. And but- somebody else jumped in um, to, to mention that they didn't use dandelions. They used what is known as a plantain. It's not like the kind that you eat, but it's got long leaves. It's very common oh, yeah. in the yard yeah. if you don't have a particularly nice yard. And it's got the little um, stem that pops up in the middle with the seed pod on the end of it. And you make a little loop around that that that, that seed head and mm-hmm. pop it right off. Mm-hmm. We, we did that too, but it was we yeah. called it guns. We just made guns that way. They yeah, popped them off and they fly, they fly 10, 15 yeah. feet maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I remember doing it with just about any flower, but the dandelions were the ones that it was understood we could pick them and, you know, dispose of them. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, while we're talking about this kind of children's folklore, did you do the thing where you hold the yellow flower up to the chin to find out if Uh, they like butter? We did, yes. Uh And that, um, you know, that's something that we asked around about as well. And and my wife and I both did that. Yeah, we did too. uh, 
But usually it turned into a chance to rub the smear the dandelion I on know, the other person's right? face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's right. We had another myth that if you smeared it on the chin and the you know, a certain amount of the yellow pollen stayed there, that meant something too. So oh. that, that that was yeah, clearly manufactured for fun but anyway yeah, all the crazy stuff so so it's widespread not necessarily regional and lots of different variations probably because it's passed from mouth to ear rather than on the printed page well what we're going to do is i know we're going to get a ton of email on this yeah, everyone's going to have these memories and we'll find out if people lots of folks in texas say it all right okay thanks thanks for your all call right. really appreciate it this okay. it's fun going yeah. down these old roads isn't it yes it is okay <laughs> all thanks right take care take care I used to jump rope, and there was that awful one. My mother and your mother were hanging up clothes. My mother punched your mother in the yes, nose. What yes. color was the blood? And then you go through all these different colors. Right, red, until, blue, they, until they trip, yeah. and that's the color that it I was. I mean, yeah. what kind of stuff are we teaching kids? <laughs> I, no, kids are teaching each other. <laughs> well, that's true, right? Right? Maybe a way of dealing with all the dark uncertainty in the world right. in life. And, and also and kind powerless. of a matter-of-factness, though, about yeah, the world, that the world has it. death and darkness in it yeah. and just the kids are more resilient than maybe we think I loved folklore books when I was a kid and I know that you the listeners have tons of folklore in your life um, this is a great place to share at 877-929-9673 email words at waywardradio.org There was a fun discussion in our Twitter feed about the need for a word for when your favorite restaurant closes. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that fun? So we got a question from a Twitter follower. Who was it? Well, Punch Card Sorter is the one who I think... Okay, that's the handle. Yeah. And I retweeted that out on the account knowing Mm -hmm. that everyone would step up to the plate. Mm -hmm. And boy, did they. Yeah, they did. We got some suggestions. I don't know that any of them will (laughs) stick. Because comedy is the first resort of the replier, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And for example, Jeff Tobacco suggested... Bistro no mo, or I like this one, gone appetite. Gone appetite, not yeah. bad. Okay. Yeah, but you know that just sinking yeah. feeling. The restaurant business is so tough, so competitive, so right. challenging. So this is happening all the time. I think there really should be a word gone for gone appetite. That's not bad. That's though. that's my favorite <laughs> so far. But maybe we'll hear others. If you have a suggestion, give us a call eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three or email words at waywardradio.org. Want more of A Way With Words? Listen to years of past episodes at waywardradio.org or find the show in any podcast app or iTunes. The toll-free line is always open, so leave a message at 877-929-9673 and we'll take a listen. We'd love to get your messages at words at waywardradio.org or hit us up on Twitter at W-A-Y-W-O-R-D. And look for us on Facebook. This program would not be possible without you. Martha and I are out to change the way we listen and think about language, and you're making it happen. Thanks also to senior producer Stephanie Levine and director and editor Tim Felton in San Diego. In New York, we thank production wizard James Ramsey, quiz guy John Chinesky, and that master of keeping it real, Paul Ruist at Argo Studios. Away With Words is an independent production of Wayward, Inc., From the Track Recording Center at Studio West in San Diego, I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. Thank you. Bye-bye. So long.